the CTE, um, you know, the chronic uh, trauma, encephalitis, encephalopathy is um, the foundation of everything I'm doing to reverse it or to improve it. So, no, I didn't participate on it. Would I have liked to? Uh, sure, why not? Sure, why not? Because it fits. What I'm trying to do is get the knowledge out there that uh, there is an alternative to putting people on to uh, psychotropic medications as a means of masking the symptoms, why don't you just figure out what's really causing the problem with the neurosteroid and neuroactive steroid deficiency, which are the hormones that are generated in the brain uh, that regulate our personality. I just got finished giving a two-day course on the new book, uh, TBI, a Clinical Approach to Diagnosis and Treatment, where we went through the science. Where was that first spark, that like enlightenment, that... Uh... I know my purpose in life. This, this is, this is where I belong. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to accomplish. I, I don't think I have the full picture of what my true ultimate purpose will be, but I am on a pathway of learning enlightenment. You know, it's like uh, the Hindu, uh, the Hindu or the Indian way of going through life, or the Buddhist of enlightenment. And, you know, every day I learn something new, I get enlightened on it, and it clarifies the ultimate picture. I think in, in designating a final goal or an optimal goal, you limit yourself on the opportunity or the possibility that it might be something else. So I try not to choose and hold on to one direction, I'm just going in a direction which is called forward, as opposed to saying I'm only going to be an OBGYN, finding out you like kids and you end up in pediatrics, finding out you like the fact of immunizations and you go into you know virology and you go, you just stay open to everything and that's how you learn uh, a lot more. You know, if you only structure yourself and fixate on one thing, you're not going to learn much. You'll learn a lot about one thing. I have to say, Dr. Mark Gordon, you truly are an intellect. You're one of the most intelligent beings, let alone physician, uh, that I've ever met. And it, it, one of the great things about interviewing you or even just spending time with you like we did last night and, and, and every time we get together, usually only at conferences. I, <laughs> That's the nature. Or in another country like China. Absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, what other countries have we hung out to? Uh, Europe a little bit? Uh, Thailand? or Did you go to Thailand? Yeah. Yeah, Thailand. Yeah. So with that, there's a responsibility. With this huge amount of intellect, there's a tendency to feel a little bit better than others at times. No? no. You, you've gained that humble side to you? No. I, if I led with ego, uh, it would defeat the purpose of me moving what I've learned into other people's hands. If I had the ego thing, I'd think that people were less uh, capable and less able to receive the gift of the knowledge that I'm looking to give. But that's not the way that I see things. I see things as the reason why I'm doing what I am doing is I've got a gift of taking lots of information, condensing it down, and sharing with other people so they can multiply what I'm doing, so they can be um, part of the, the group. That's why I go and lecture. That's why I go and write books, is so that I can share my perspective on how I see things with other people. And hopefully they'll buy into it to some degree or they'll accept a portion of it and um, you know move forward
So with this, what I consider to be a great degree of responsibility, because we're, we're not only dealing with uh, are we right or sometimes sincerely wrong, mm -hmm. uh, and we're dealing with life and death. I mean, people, until they deal with the harsh reality of being in a hospital setting like you have or being in like a, alongside a friend or a loved one or a patient at a deathbed, I mean, your perspective on life changes. I mean, things things happen mm -hmm. rapidly. What's going through your mind when you're working to save an individual and then those people out there who are watching, who are just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just kind of watching these guys and wondering, you know, what is life about? And what is health really about? Well, I've been distanced myself from that environment. I used to be in the hospital, seven hospitals, 21 patients a day. And daily, because I was doing gerontology mostly, um, you saw death quite, a, quite often. And you try to do the best with the science and abilities that we have at that moment. And sure, when you lose a, you know, a human being in, that you've been responsible for, it takes a toll. And I think that was part of the reason why I had moved out of uh, the hospital scene, so I can concentrate more on preventive medicine as opposed to end-stage medicine. And I think that gave me the impetus, the energy, to look more closely, not at illness medicine, but at wellness medicine, which is the problem in, treat, in uh, training in medicine, is that we're taught how to fix a cold, how to set a bone, and, and so forth. But to teach people how to avoid getting sick by eating healthily and doing physical activity and making sure their nutrition has those components in it to protect the body, that's what we've missed and that's what I had changed after 18 years of practicing illness medicine, that's what I went into. And this is, you know, who I am today is a culmination of those trials and tribulations of trying to find ways and means to keep people healthy is where I'm at right now. So I don't see the death and dying that I used to see in the past. Uh, we take people who are ill or people who are not optimal right now and use the technology we have, which is outside traditional medicine, because traditional medicine is fixated on illness medicine. If you only fixate on one half of the coin, the illness side, you never know how to do the preventive medicine or the interventional medicine and prevent them from getting sick. I mean, when I used to see diabetics or people with heart attacks or people with strokes and so forth, it's already finished. The game's over as opposed to doing what we can with the incredible amount of science out there to be preventative. And I think what we're doing with uh, hormone replenishment and with nutritional, optimizing nutritional uh, nutrition, gen learning about genomes and genetics and the microbiome of the gut and probiotics and the benefit, and leaky gut syndrome and gut, the gut-brain barrier or the gut-brain relationship. I mean, in expanding our knowledge base, we can be more preventive and protect people from illnesses. And I know, Dr. Gordon, you're either working directly with celebrities, movie stars, heads of studios. I mean, you, you really get a high-end group. And then you get those athletes, the peak performers, who just want to be absolutely the best in the world. Or you're advising doctors who are working directly with these individuals. Mm -hmm. So either you're direct or once removed, right? Correct. Um, you know, recently uh, my true focus has shifted away from the NFL except for those who have traumatic brain injury or from any sports except if there's traumatic brain. 
Uh, on the brain injury, you, you consulted on the movie Concussion, right? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, it might be some of my information filtered to them, but what happened with Concussion in and of itself was a isolated, a separate situation that set the, fo uh, the, uh, the foundation for the things that I do. So the CTE, um, you know, the chronic uh, trauma, encephalitis, encephalopathy is um, the foundation of everything I'm doing to reverse it or to improve it. So, no, I didn't participate on it. Would I have liked to? Uh, sure, why not? Sure, why not? Because it fits, what I'm trying to do is get the knowledge out there that uh, there is an alternative to putting people onto uh, psychotropic medications as a means of masking the symptoms, why don't you just figure out what's really causing the problem with the neurosteroid and neuroactive steroid deficiency, which are the hormones that are generated in the brain uh, that regulate our personality. I just got finished giving a two-day course on the new book, uh, TBI, a Clinical Approach to Diagnosis and Treatment, where we went through the science that's already out there showing that with head trauma, it leads to disruption of uh, chemistry in the brain, and that disruption of chemistry in the brain leads to the personality defects, the cognitive impairment that we see. Also, the fact that when there's any form of head trauma, regardless of, you know, it could be body trauma. I've had people who have fallen off of uh, buildings and broken a leg and never hurt their head or a motorcycle, someone in a motorcycle accident whose helmet was, you know, perfectly maintained, but they were unconscious. Well, the shaking of the injury is sometimes enough. And now with the intense military work that we're doing, uh, veterans who have been exposed to blast trauma without a single scratch on their body initiates an inflammatory process. And it's this inflammatory process that shuts off the brain's ability to make the hormones, neurosteroids, that help to regulate who we are and what we do and how we do it. So one day this individual could be completely what we categorize as normal. And then after an accident, which they seemingly were not injured, but the fact that, yeah, they had a helmet, there was no broken bone or mm -hmm. blood coming out, but that shaking of this fragile brain inside this brain right. encasing can right. cause serious damage. And that person may never be normal again until we intervene. Correct. Um, what we see is that uh, the brain obviously is floating in a fluid, which is cerebral spinal fluid, and there's a hard shell that it's in, which is called the skull, and the brain sits in such a way that there's a bony shelf. So when you have, let's say, you stop short or you fall forward, uh, the brain is pushed forward and hits this ridge and causes damage to the lower part of the brain, the frontal lobe of the brain. And then when you go back, the back side of the brain hits the back side inside of the skull. And that's called coup-counter-coup injury. And that leads to damage of fine blood vessels that leak and cause inflammation. It can cause tearing of small, uh, of axons of um, the uh, communication end of a nerve, of a neuron, and that will release chemistry that will cause inflammation throughout the brain, not just in the area where the injury occurs, it spreads throughout the fluid that's in the brain, and that will set up for a long-term chronic damage. And some of the literature talks about taking 17 years before the individual had an injury starts developing symptoms of cognitive impairment and mood disorder. And 85 to 90 percent, 95 percent of the people 
have what's called mild traumatic brain injury where they don't have loss of consciousness, they may not have a headache, they might have a little amnesia or may not have it, or they might have no symptoms whatsoever, but over the course of time they start developing the symptoms that are classical for traumatic brain injury. So Dr. Gordon, I, years ago in Florida where we're at uh, here at an anti-aging conference, um, I met Dr. Uh, Newbar, and Dr. Newbar, like Dr. David Steenblock, has stated that if you got someone after this injury or even a stroke and got them into hyperbaric oxygen, a lot of that swelling, a lot more of the damage could be reduced uh, possibly because of the swelling, there's a disruption in the electrical impulse mm -hmm. going throughout the brain, and if you could reduce that swelling, there may be less impairment. Is that possible? Um, that's possible in cases that I have seen on HBOT or hyperbaric uh, uh, oxygen uh, tents is that um, a lot of sessions are needed to get some benefit if they get benefit. Um, I see it as being an adjunctive therapy. I don't see it as primary therapy because what we see within days and weeks uh, on our patients who have significant traumatic brain injury, once you do the laboratory testing and you find the neurosteroid deficiency or the hormone deficiencies and you replenish it back to normal, they get better. And right now we have almost 150 uh, veterans with blast trauma who have been on a multitude of medications, still depressed, still suicide ideation, who once they get diagnosed and uh, defined as having one or multiple hormone deficiencies, whether they're neuroactive steroids, uh, which are produced in the glands throughout our body, or the neurosteroids that are produced in our brain, and you replenish it, they get better and they get off the medication. We had a fascinating discussion last night, and, and it revolved around the fact that uh, many people that come to you uh, may be undergoing therapy for their brain injury. They're, they're on CBD, the non-psychoactive cannabinoid. Mm -hmm. they're, they're using sometimes prescribed medications that oftentimes have side effects and they're struggling with this. And then you told me you intervene by looking at multiple hormone potential deficiencies. Mm -hmm. I believe you call it endocrinological intervention. You establish based on laboratory tests, on a thorough examination. And I know you, you have a program where you're raising some funding. There's people trying to help raise some funding to treat mm -hmm. uh, soldiers that have come back Correct. that have been seriously injured. And there's a waiting list. It's It just amazes me that people who realize that we value our freedom and people have gone to war for us to protect us and we can't even render treatment for these people. It's outside of the scope of normal medicine because Correct. they don't acknowledge endocrinological intervention. Correct. Uh, the organization that I'm working with is called Warrior Angel Foundation, which was uh, founded by uh, the Marr brothers, Andrew Marr and Adam Marr. They're located in Texas. And what their mission has been, because Andrew was a Green Beret, uh, three tours of duty, decorated, it was blown up, he had, was on 13 medications, a full-blown alcoholic, and after having his assessment and being placed onto our replenishment protocol, our protocol, he was able to stop all his medication and he stopped drinking within three uh, weeks. Um, we have, and their mission, his mission, has been to, uh, to be able to offer um, veterans uh, an alternative pathway for diagnosis and treatment 
Right now, the majority of the veterans uh, are given packets of psychotropic medication, whether or not it's antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, or pain medication, uh, without having any biochemical testing to see if they're deficient in their hormones. And that is because they assume everybody has what's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress, or post-traumatic stress dis disorder. And I disagree with the definition or the diagnosis of PTSD. If there's any head trauma, any traumatic brain injury, or any major bodily injury that can vibrate up to the brain, uh, that they should be looked at as traumatic brain injury. The, in the pure sense, someone who has PTSD or you label as post-traumatic stress should have no physical trauma and it's psychologically having seen uh, someone being blown up or shot or any kind of very intense emotional trauma, that's PTSD. But if there's one iota, one incidence of any kind of traumatic brain injury or bodily injury, being walking around um, tanks that are shooting their shells and the people feel shudders, which is a patient that we have who was a medic in the army, walking behind um, these tanks that were shooting shells that caused the body to shudder or near javelin missiles or flashbangs or any kind of explosives. Uh, he had not a single scratch on his body, but 18 months after he had separated from the military after two tours of duty, he had two full-blown hormonal deficiencies and one partial or insufficiency of another hormone. And he was on uh, antidepressant medications that weren't working. And once we diagnosed him and put him onto the hormones that he was deficient in, he no longer needed the antidepressants, which were really not helping him. There was still a degree of depression, and that's called a treatment-resistant depression. And treatment-resistant depression, something else is causing it. So if you've been on one, two, and rotated around a lot of different antidepressants and that don't seem to be working, maybe it has nothing to do with this medication. And the question I always ask people is, okay, where is the Prozac gland in your body or whatever other medication you're on? Where's that gland in your body that justifies us replenishing it or giving it to you? There isn't one. But what about the pregnenolone and the allopregnanolone, progesterone, testosterone, growth hormone, and so forth? Well, we have glands that generate that, and we never look to see if maybe those are influenced adversely with trauma, and that seems to be the case and the solution. Wow. So most traditional doctors, including endocrinologists who specialize in hormone uh, research and or uh, practices, uh, I once heard that uh, an endocrinologist knows about thyroid storm or dealing with diabetic uh, severe conditions. Uh, I believe Dr. Edwin Lee, who's here at this conference, mm -hmm. said he's a reformed, quote-unquote, endocrinologist. Right. And he acknowledged that there's such a thing as adre uh, adrenal fatigue. Yes. And he talks about uh, thyroid deficiency, even if it's in the, quote, normal range Correct. of laboratory standards. So, Correct. And then we have Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler talking about the blatant ignorance regarding testosterone replacement and yes. the high percentage of individuals who are deficient and are clinically ignored right. and left to more or less decline. Uh, it was fascinating him talking about helping 
90-year-olds restore, even right. in conditions where they signed waivers that, hey, I have prostate cancer, but I, I still I, want my it. quality of life. I, mm -hmm. I, I want to see how this is going to work. Uh, tell me about this, and because I know it's controversial for most people, and people are going, when they hear the word, oh, DHEA, growth hormone, testosterone, thyroid, I think the only thing they recognize is thyroid. They, they get it. The Correct. adrenals, they don't get, you know, the cortisol. They just think cortisol's a bad guy, right? Talk to me about this. This is a hugely misunderstood area for the general public. Right. What you're talking about is uh, the standard ranges for laboratory results, and this is the issue. If you look at how we uh, develop the normal reference ranges or the reference ranges, it's based upon a group of people that didn't include me, didn't include you, so they included them. So whatever the results are is a statistical, um, a statistical range that applies to that group and not to me. And what we do is we individualize all our treatment. Someone could come in with all the symptoms of low thyroid functioning, coarse brittle hair, drying of the skin, a little depression, women with some abnormality in menstruation, constipation, weight gain, bloating, fluid retention, and so forth, and just not feeling happy, sense of well-being being off, and you do their blood work, and according to these standard ranges, appear to be normal. So you do nothing because they appear to be within the normal range. Well, to understand the range, let's say, for instance, it's between 10 and 90. And if you come in at 11, traditional medicine says, oh, you're normal. But they still have all the symptoms. And what we do is we go for what's called the median. You take the 10 and you add it to 90. It gives you 100 divided by 2, and that's 50. So if they came in at 11, we'll slowly bring them up towards the 50 because maybe at 22 they feel better and will hold treatment, or 27 or 19. You don't know unless you try, and that's the problem. We never try. And the reason why a majority of patients are not benefiting from having had the laboratory test is because of the means in which it's interpreted. And that's what has to be changed, is interpretation. And for some reason, we feel that we're restricted in uh, being able to um, raise the levels. Some of us need more and others need less, but we all need some, and the right sum for our body. And that's not being done. So, Dr. Gordon, you have dealt with a broad range of people who are suffering, literally suffering, whether it be chronic fatigue or just loss of quality of life, loss for zest for life. Uh, they wake up in the morning instead of a guy waking up fresh and going, this is going to be a great day. He wakes mm -hmm. up with that morning erection. He just, things are going. He's excited. He's He's, he's enthusiastic, or the lady wakes up in the morning and she just goes, oh, isn't life wonderful? And they've lost touch because they've lived in this deficient body for so many mm -hmm. years that they they just think that's normal, that's Correct. acceptable, and they say, well, that's part of aging. Their that's right. Says, that's just part right, of aging, right. so let's, let's not do anything about it because we might uh, cause uh, cancer or we might cause uh, some problem. Mm -hmm. it, it hasn't been unusual for me to have a new patient come in says I'm here because I went to my doctor I went to my doctor and said look at I'm not feeling well I'm low energy blah 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 and the doc says fine I'll do all these lab tests doctor does all these lab tests and the patient goes back and uh, gets the report and the doctor says all your lab results are normal and the patient says but why do I feel so bad and the doctor says ah you're just getting old 
So this is the issue. It's so much easier to say, ah, you're just getting old, as opposed to doing the appropriate laboratory testing to determine if there are specific components of our system that are deficient. And another great fallacy is you go into your doc and they do a chemistry test, they do a urine test, they do a CBC, they do a cholesterol level, and you think that that's all you need to do to determine how the body's going. Well, if you think of laboratory testing as a circle around you, you're in the middle and it's a circle around you, that's 360 degrees, and the testing of urine and testing of uh, complete blood count and chemistry and kidney function and so forth only is one or two percent of that full circle to look at the quality of health. How can we project from only one or two percent testing of all the labs that are out there that tells us about how well you're functioning, how can we, you know, predict how well you do? We need to increase the amount of laboratory testing that is done. And yes, it's a little more expensive. Yes, the insurance companies don't want to pay for it. But if you're concerned about your quality of health and life and your future, you need to look at more elements or more of the chemistry that influences the quality of life. So when a person suspects that some of these symptoms that they're experiencing are not normal, they're not acceptable, and they're seeking some guidance if they were to at least uh, approach a good doc who, who's highly trained in anti-aging and endocrinological intervention. Mm -hmm. This particular patient, although, like you said, maybe their insurance may not cover, it's a cash basis, um, people in some weird way think, well, if insurance doesn't cover it, it may, must not be valid or necessary or important. And, and I, I look at that and I wonder because productivity of the world is declining in the U.S. Our healthcare system is nearly bankrupt. We put people on Medicare. We retire them early. Uh, I mean, I, I am astonished. And I just think back, Dr. Gordon, if I hadn't learned about anti-aging, I, I mean, in a strange way, I noticed I started declining around age 28. I mm. mean, I just noticed sexual function was declining. I just noticed, you know, just things were happening. I was gaining body fat from estrogen dominance. I had things going on hormonally. Mm -hmm. And when I first measured my thyroid, the doctor said it was normal, but I, I went to some top guys and they, never doctor yourself, right? I went to right. other anti-aging doctors and I'm a health coach and I, I looked at and they said, look, your, your, your T3, your free T3 is 3.2. The range is up to 4.2. You're on the kind of less than ideal end of the scale. Let's nudge it up a little bit because you have the symptoms of mm -hmm. thyroid deficiency. Mm -hmm. They intervene, sure enough, with thyroid uh, appropriate therapy. Uh, the whole T3, T4, not just Synthroid, right? Uh, uh, and Which is just T4. And it made a world of difference. And then as I sta started having all my hormones analyzed that we know of, at least that we could intervene, my levels optimized and I felt like my life had been given back to me. I felt like a 20 year old. Mm -hmm. I had a heart test the other day and they said I was 33 years younger than my age, age yeah. which was like they had never seen this in 40,000 people, literally. And I, I think about that and I go, imagine if every person had that opportunity. I know if you let yourself decline, let, let's just put yourself in that role. Don't go on any hormones, no supplements, just, just eat good quality food, right. you know, exercise, get some sleep. 
you know, avoid the toxins, the sup, you know, the alcoholic sex, et cetera, right? Good lifestyle medicine. What would happen? What would you think? Have you ever let yourself decline and experience that? Um, sure. <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> I'd be a liar. Candid. Yeah, I'd be a liar if I said no. You know, it was, wasn't until I was between 34 and 47 that uh, I started looking very closely at this issue of aging. Now, I did anti-aging medicine in the beginning. and What I realized is there's really no such thing as anti-aging medicine. There's just good medicine. So what I've gone after is what the interpretation of good medicine is, and that is a comprehensive assessment of not only uh, the biochemistry of the body, but the nutrition that we put into it, the exercise that you're very aware of. And I've uh, dropped off the cart after eight years of uh, intense uh, six days a week in the gym and so forth. And I noticed that I wasn't feeling as well. I wasn't functioning, clarity of mind and so forth. So going back into exercise. Well, you're always a sexual stallion, so that didn't decline. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> giddy up. <laughs> giddy up. So, yeah, so the benefits of uh a comprehensive program. By the way, isn't that what catches most guys' attention? They have a decline in sexual function. They yeah, seek a doctor. I, I think that uh, libido, change in erection, strength of erection, endurance, and so forth, and intensity of orgasm. I think these are things that get the guys going. Uh, and the gals? That uh, no, and women, I don't really see that. I think for women, it's more of a cosmetic issue. Mm. But I think that the education that we're providing, um, people are becoming a little bit more honest with you know, what um, is important in their life. I think uh, physical aspects uh, are primary and functional become secondary with women. I have three daughters, so I can say that. Um, and with guys, it's uh, sexual functioning, I think, or physical functioning. We'll just say it's physical functioning. How well we do in the gym, how well we uh, grow muscle and build muscle. If we have ripped abs. If we have ripped abs or not, if our calves are good, or if our curls are 3,000 pound curls. Our, our chest. Our chest, pectoralis are standing out. Instead of man boobs, right. guys are getting uh, yeah. female. Uh, Becoming so, female. Uh, so uh, I think that, you know, the the goals for males from women as we're talking right now are a little bit different, but I think they're starting to merge together where it's just about the whole package. It's about being psychologically, physiologically, and physically at our optimal peak. You're probably one of the best doctors to recognize optimum and peak performance. I mean, again, when you're dealing with some of the the top, top performers in the world, it's tragic when we see someone like Prince, the, the phenomenal mm -hmm. uh, singing artist who, and what, his life must have been racked with, with addictions and things that if someone had intervened with him, mm. I mean, I can only imagine, and, and Michael Jackson and uh, uh, Whitney Houston, um, I mean, yeah. the, the list is long. Yeah, in talking of, uh, you know, the entertainers, you know, with Prince jumping on the st off the stages, uh, from speakers onto the uh, stage and so forth, that that created his chronic hip pain and so forth and so on that led to the drugs. It's a totally different world. It's outside the venue that I really deal with. What I deal with is people who are being blown up and people who are being shot at and hit on the head in car accidents, motorcycle accidents, where they develop pain syndromes. 
And there is a relationship between pain and testosterone being deficient, DHEA being deficient, pregnenolone being deficient, growth hormone being deficient. These are all associated and we see it day in, day out when you replenish the hormones in these people who are on a multitude of drugs, you see that they get off the drugs. Um, on one of the Joe Rogan programs that we did, number 574, there was a um, medic who was embedded in Navy SEALs, Matthew, who was blown up, and he was on 16 different medications. One of the medications was called Oxycontin. He was on eight a day. Another medication was called Morphine Sulfate. He was on 60 milligrams four times a day. He was on Adderall to keep him up, Transodon to take him down, antidepressants, and he still attempted suicide in January 2014. And he heard one of the broadcasts that we did on Joe Rogan, the first one I did, and he ended up coming down from Washington to Los Angeles and became a patient. Six weeks after starting his replenishment protocol, he was off of 14 of his 16 medications. One year later, he's off all his medication. He moves to Hollywood, California, and goes to the New York School of Theater Arts to become an actor, and at night he's writing uh, screenplays, and recently he called to say that he was just picked up on a, a movie, and uh, his life is incredible, and he's off all his drugs. The only thing he's taking are his hormones, his uh, neurosteroids, and his neuroactive steroids. That's it. Yeah. I. I, I... I have a similar experience, um, a rather uh, famous gentleman who owned a huge supplement company, if I were to say the name of the company, he sent me his granddaughter and she had been in a one of these drug rehabilitation where they just basically make connections to other drug pushers mm -hmm. and unfortunately, you know, he just saw she was not getting better and, right. and he, he knew that I was helping him with uh, intervention of his diet, his exercise, his supplements, his hormones, and working in conjunction with a, with an MD, and we were, you know, really just doing full-on stem cell replacement, everything you can imagine. Then it dawned on him, well, if you could help me, and I'm, you know, I'm in my 80s, and and my wife who had, you know, stages of Alzheimer's, can you help my daughter who, who's addicted? You know, she she's she's a beautiful woman, but she's she's hanging out with the wrong people in, in the Bay Area, and she's just she's just totally addicted. And I said, if you're willing to have her go through a complete change in her mental status, we do some NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, we work with her diet, her, her hormone deficiencies, we full battery of tests, we bring her into a facility where she's under the care of a well person, not a sick person, but mm -hmm. in a wellness, not in a group, but just, you know, we're gonna have to just, let's focus on her. And, you know, her coach that I assigned uh, had her doing Bible and reading assignments and just, we worked through it. And within a few months, you know, that early part, she was getting those, you know, I got to have my drug. I got to have it. But then. Withdrawal? Yeah, serious withdrawal. I mean, addiction to, to the max, mm -hmm. right? I mean, meth and all these things. And she, she, it just, she was a different person after a period of this detox and, but if you detox them, you got to put something in. And that is, what do you put in, right? Right. Right. Well, in that story that I just gave you, he was on 8 Oxycontin, 80 milligrams a day, plus 240 milligrams of morphine. He got off of it in six weeks. Now, how is that possible after being on it for 18 months? Well, what we found is that things like pregnenolone and things like testosterone 
influence the receptors in the brain that make us addicted, the mu receptors, the alpha, beta, uh, opioid receptors, and the, and the uh, benzodiazepine, the Valium receptors. And I was, this was totally outside my venue at the moment, and it hit me that these guys were getting off of high doses, long-term use of opioids, and without withdrawal. And it was because of replacing the hormones that regulated in the brain. Wow. So in wow. talking about this individual. Is that in your new book? Are you talking uh, about this? I haven't, I did not include it in the new book because it was a pattern that I started recognizing after I'd finished the book. But I talk about it as I'm doing right now with you. The fact that these people get off of their, uh, their opioids rapidly. And I had a conversation with a large uh, detox center in uh, Los Angeles um, that sees a lot of actors and so forth and so on. And uh, we're dialoguing about how to get our technology into their facility um, because they take insurance and I don't. And that's the issue. And it's about moving the application, the science that we have into those uh, venues. But every single one of our um, wounded veterans, our heroes that I see in the office for free, uh, are off their drugs. They're off their antidepressants, they're off their narcotics. And you made a comment about CPD or, you know, in states like Colorado where they can smoke marijuana without having to get a uh, medical marijuana permit. Uh, in California, they need that. But they're getting, um, they've been using it and they find that they don't need it any longer because they didn't have any other option. They were using CPD for their sleep, for their appetite, and for some of their pain relief. So it's uh, you know, a new world for me. As I said, every day there's something new you learn and you realize that you know, if you fix your goals, uh, you'll, you'll miss a lot of things. I don't fix my goals, I just go the pathway. And this thing about the narcotics and so forth has, has been really good. So with the almost 150 vets that we have, not needing any narcotics. Dr. Gordon, I, you know, I have to say that um, because these experiences probably aren't yet published, you and I have mutual friends like Dr. Susie Shooter, who's a renowned mm -hmm. psychiatrist. I know she's practicing, having been trained with Dr. Terry Hertog. We all kind of run in similar circles. Uh, Dr. Ron Rothenberg, uh, Neil Ruzay's here, mm -hmm. uh, Edwin Lee. I mean, just a who's who of people. But it's it's shocking to me how few people are really getting this information because the mass media kind of covers what they want to cover, whatever Big Pharma wants them to talk about. And there's a world of difference between the synthetic progestins and, and uh, estrone uh, drugs and things that the general public hear about, or even the, the whole thing where they made people think that testosterone was bad because of a few studies that misreported. So we really have a, a negative PR issue to overcome uh, to even reach the people that need your help. Uh, and at the same time, uh, it's those people who, who are hearing this show who tell and share it with other people mm -hmm. that they're going to get the message that there are solutions for very, very trying, serious, serious, debilitating addictions, uh, those those conditions that lead to chronic illness and or premature death and loss of quality of life. I mean, it's we're, we're talking about really everyone that, that, that could ever 
uh, experience uh, anything less than ideal health, unless they're out living in Fiji in a beautiful island and you know eating the fruits and vegetables and running naked and no stress and just just living the life, right? Uh, I volunteer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I, I don't know how you handle as much stress as you do. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't look at it as stress. No. No, that's it. If you look at it as stress, you make it into stress. You make it what you want it to be. So. I try not to make things in stress. Yeah, there are a lot of stressors around me. The question is, do I accept them as stressors? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's really what it is. I, you know, mind over matter, it doesn't matter. Right. Either which way. So give me your, if you will, mm -hmm. your personal routine. Uh, you know, be as candid as you wish, but what have you found works for you? And let's, let's say this too. I think Neil Rousier stated it best. There's that what you can do within the guidelines of medical standards, and then there's what you could do for yourself and your closest loved ones where you know they're not going to sue you, they're not going to put up a big mm -hmm. weird you know, tissy about whatever. Uh, what would you do for yourself and or someone you, 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 just, oh. you know you, you have confidence and, and trust? Right. What I do for myself mm is every six months I take a panel of laboratory work to see where I'm at. And based upon those results will dictate what supplementation or what um, products, either prescribed products or non-prescription, most of mine are non-prescribed, what products I will use to make sure that my biochemistry is at optimal level. You know, we think that um, we are able to, throughout our lifetime, make everything our body needs, either from, you know, the little salad, the fruits and vegetables we take, but a lot of times that's not the case. Because what's happening to our uh, food stock is that the qualities, whether or not it's glucan uh, or glycans or uh, deficiency of chromium in our vegetables, um, we find that that there are nutrition, you know, oh, all you got to do is eat a salad to get all your vitamins and minerals. That's not the case. Uh, unfortunately, we don't assimilate it as well, and the nutrition that's in our uh, fruits and vegetables have been diminished because the soils have been leached free of a lot of the trace minerals we need. Uh, water, what are we really drinking? We're drinking this stuff that's called water, but it's just wet. It has nothing else in it. When we drink uh, well water, when we drink runoff from streams in the past, we got trace minerals. We don't have the trace minerals, so no chromium, and our insulin doesn't work. You become insulin-resistant diabetes. You don't have enough zinc, so your cancer risk goes up. Your diabetes goes up. Your um, uh, Alzheimer's disease goes up because you don't have enough zinc. Uh, so I monitored my labs, and I basically react to those labs if I haven't been uh, preventive and thought ahead and put the adequate amount of products into my system. Something's buzzing over there. So, um, and then, you know, good exercise for me after many years of being in the gym, uh, I end up now going in my backyard of an acre of property and I dig holes and take the rocks out and fill the holes back in, dig another hole, fill the rocks back in, and I started now digging holes and putting trees in, so I'm out in the garden, you know, pruning and making sure that the weeds are taken care of. So I do a lot of uh, 
other than in the gym. Yes, I have some weights at home that I do some weights. I go bicycle riding. I live in the mountains, so I do some mountain bike riding, um, try to drink adequate amount of water. So it's about uh, a balance in life and not too uh, overstressing one's body. Um, and that's basically it. So um, beyond that, uh, let me just go back and talk a little bit more about Warrior Angel Foundation. Warrior Angel Foundation is an organization that uh, provides to uh, veterans uh, medical care, outside the box medical care. Um, to our facility, they send patients. What I'm doing now is training docs uh, in how to use our um, protocols to help veterans um, stop their suicide ideation and to have a better outlook on life. Hi, Dr. Nick Delgado here. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be Block, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.